You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Greetings, listeners. It is I, TV Spitzer and Farmer Dave, here once again to talk to you about the Cthulhu Mythos, its books, its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential bits, like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian leaning. Once more we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZOM. Let me just sexiest confused scenes, top picks from Mr. Skim, hot sex pictures. I'm not clicking on that one. Let me know when you're ready to record, Dave. Oh, I'm ready. Okay. All right. Hello, everyone. It is I, D.B. Spitzer, and Farmer Dave, as always, uh, talking to you about the Cthulhu Mythos. So, hey, Dave, Dave, what's going on? How's it going with you? I am well, and we are getting something planned. I don't know if we can talk about it or not, but something big is coming up in about a About a week? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the HP Lovecraft Film Festival in Portland, Oregon. So we've got that going on, Dave. Uh, uh, there's going to be some recorded bits and some live bits. I might be part of some recorded bits. I may be part of some uh, live lecture bits. We'll see. But yeah. Yes, and it's going to be in the fabulous Hollywood Theater yeah. in the Hollywood District of Portland, Oregon. All right. And- And I'm sure that you and most of our listeners, or at least local, know that that area is actually named after the theater. Yes, yes. It's it's, uh, one of the few places in the uh, Portland metro era you'll actually see a palm tree hanging out. Uh, You know, some are in better uh, states, some are in worse, unfortunately. But yeah, 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 there's uh, palm trees out in front of the Hollywood. So we've got quite a bit going on and uh, quite a... Yeah, quite an exciting time. Good. Yeah. No. No. I'm. I'm super <laughs> excited about it. There's not going to be the uh, EOD over at the senior center as there was in years past. Everything's taking place in the theater. The whole theater, upstairs, downstairs, everywhere. Super cool. I'm. I'm excited about it. And and it's just you know if if there's a building, if there are ghosts, that's yeah. where all the ghosts should hang out. It's just a beautiful. 1920s theater. And, oh, yeah. Uh, maybe we'll even talk a little bit about it, but uh, it was the last theater in Portland that was built for both movies and vaudeville. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's got a really nice stage. I've I've been up there uh, to uh, uh, win an award. Oh, no, it wasn't actually an award. I won a trivia prize. <laughs> You were awarded a trivia prize. I was an awarded in a trivia prize. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I once jumped up on there so I could take a photo of everyone who was on the ground. There was nothing going on on the stage at the time other than ads, but it gave me an opportunity to run up where the microphone was and take a photo of a bunch of people for a slideshow for com way back in the day. Back in the day when we still used Polaroids. Yep, 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 yep. So, Dave, uh, besides the HPLFF, uh, what's new in the world of Dave? 
Well, that's sort of getting everything set up for for that. I mean, that's the big thing. We did have, you know, first gray in the season, which wasn't a lot. Yeah. But uh, we're beginning to get the mud back in the farm. Oh, yeah, which, yeah. Which uh, I will not bore our audience, but if you're a farmer, you're thinking, hmm, first mud of the season, huh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, like I said... Uh, just getting ready for uh, the 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 big film festival, yeah. And that for those of you who cannot make it to lovely downtown Portland, yep. there will be a screaming program. Oh yeah, which is really great because let's face it, next to the panels, which are my favorite, the thing that I love the most about is the shorts. Yeah. Um, you know the 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 long theaters. I mean, the long shows are 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 good, yeah. But the shorts are 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 are. They're, I think they're better, and the, and the fact that they're so divergent, and different types, um, and uh, we have got a guest, who is Jeffrey Combs. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. according to Wikipedia, Jeffrey Combs and I have something in common. A birthday. No. A hairline. Well, yeah, that. <laughs> no, we're our hometown. Oh, he is a he's a Oxnard, California boy. Wow. So, uh, gonna gonna hopefully maybe talk to to Jeffrey a little bit about the eight oh five. All right. But uh, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, how about you? What's new in your world? Well, I I I, I I'm on a little bit of painkillers and I chipped a tooth. Uh, those two are related. Uh, so and, and I'm gonna assume the chip tooth happened first. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, um, but yeah, no. So I will be a little loopy this episode, but hopefully uh, coherent, and uh, hopefully the HPLL uh, Film Festival, I will be uh, loopy yet coherent. But yeah, because that's pretty much our trademark. Pretty much, pretty much. So today we're talking about two aspects of Narlethotep, if I am not mistaken. Yes, we are. And in fact, we are even going to talk about one of those, or I am going to be talking about that, one of those, or a version of one of those, in our midsection. So who are we talking about? Well, today, one of them uh, is the, drumroll please, uh, the Dark One, uh, California, Louisiana. Some mythos cults are visited by Narlethotep in the semblance of an eight-foot jet-black man without a face who can pass through any material barrier at will, Mr. Skin by Milan. And y- you had something to say about uh, what to never, ever type into your search bar? Yes, so I typed in Mr. Skin Cthulhu. Yeah? As don't do it, people. Don't do it, I've people. I've seen things. Now, apparently that leads up to Cthulhu porn. And I know you're curious, but now I had to burn my eyes out with raw bleach. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, I would um, do not type in Mr. Skin Cthulhu if you want to not lose a bunch of sanity points. Okay. And if you uh dweller in the darkness or dweller in darkness, what of Nagai? So I know a little bit more about this one. Sure. And so so there are 
So Dwell in the Darkness was actually the name of a short story written in 1944 by our friend Augie D. Oh, cool. Augustus, I mean, August Derelict. It's also a pretty major villain in Marvel 616. Oh. And so on the midsection, I'm, we're not really going to, unless you want to bring some stuff up, we're not really going to talk about the 616 Dweller in the Darkness, because I, I cover it pretty ad nauseum uh-huh. in the midsection. But, um, you know, just like I exposed myself to Cthulhu porn, so sure. you don't have to. Yeah. I, you, you, the public, not necessarily you, DB. Um, but I have also reread August Derelict, The Dweller in the Darkness, so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, to, to be honest, actually, uh, and I'll talk a little bit about the story, uh, as well as the, the creation. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a bad Derelict story. Yeah. And, and a little bit about the short story. Like I said, it was written in 1944. Yeah. Uh, and this is actually going to be important in Daryl's version of the mythos. It's going to be very, it's sort of where he reveals his views of the, of, you know, the, the Daryl heresy. In a lot of ways, as Lovecraft sort of reveals his cosmology in, um, in uh, Mountains of Madness, Derelict is going to reveal some major Derelictian heresies in the Dweller in Darkness. So not only do we have this form of uh, Narlothotep, uh, it's also the first uh, appearance of uh, Derelict's creation, uh, Cthulga. Oh, cool. And so a little bit about the short story first. Um, and and I have to give I have to give Mr. Derelict some some credit. What he does good, he does very good. And part of it, this takes place, you know, in his home, you know, Wisconsin. So his description of rural Wisconsin and the creepy forest, Uh spot on. Okay. He also gives us sort of a history of, before he gets into the story, and, you know, okay, Um, again, this is spoiler alert for what an eighty-six-year-old story. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Or I was told there would be no math, but yeah. So, so there are there are going to be some spoilers. And what he does really good though is he he tells the how the uh, dwell in the darkness appeared in history. Okay. And where a a a uh, a Catholic priest. 300 years ago when he was coming into this area to, to basically teach uh, the Native Americans, uh, encounters the, the creature. And so he writes down that he's being followed and what's happening, what's following him, in the margins of his prayer book. Oh. And, and the Native Americans return with his stuff in his prayer book. Um, then again, spoiler, 300 years later, they find the body. And it's not mummified. Okay. It, it, it's frozen. And forensics say, no, this can't be that priest. It's only been dead for five years. What? And, and, and give Daryl credit. You know, he does this really good. And he also talks about how, and again, Daryl knew that history. 
you know, he, he knew that area's history about, you know, the, the timber barons coming in and trying to steal lumber, lumber from each other and, and where this guy's team keeps disappearing. And so he tries to sneak in a bunch of people and, and they find their bodies in the middle of a lake. So, so you know, he does a great job doing the prehistory part of the, the Dwell in the Darkness. So the main story, though, is that these two um, grad students are basically investigating an anthropologist disappearance who was investigating, you know, the myths of the, the Dwell in the Darkness. And there's this huge... Um, Native American effigy carved into the wall, painted uh -huh. into the mountain, uh, of this being, uh, again, like the other forms of uh, Norohothotep that you've talked about today, it has no face. And, okay. and, and so I have an interesting theory about that. And I think Go that Daryl was spot on on this, on giving it no face. And we've seen yeah. this in a couple versions. So about 10 years ago, I was in this sort of academic discussion why people would often report ghosts. What is the psychological reason that people who say they see ghosts see no face? And is it a psychological or is there something? And, you know, I don't know if there's anything ghost or real or not. But my argument is that psychologically, people who see something that they think is a ghost uh -huh. block out the face because it's literally the face of death. Okay. And, and Dareth, I think, in this case, and give... Give Augie D, you know, props where he did it good. You know, I think he's hitting something. That this is the face of uh, Narlhotep or Narlhotep. It's, it is like the face of death. And okay. that it, the fact that it has no face, just like Night Gods. Yeah. Is more scary. Sure, yeah. Um, so a lot of ways, though, then when we start getting, you know, because Daryl... And this is a decent pulp story. But um, in a lot of ways, though, he really borrows The Whispers of the Darkness. Okay. Where um, the same thing, that they, they, they bring in the recording equipment and they hear the recording. Um, and they find all of this evidence. And then um, the professor they... they uh, they were looking for shows up and says, oh, yeah, you know, it was just, it was just gases that were trapped and it affected your mind. This uh -huh. wasn't really happening. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at the end, the, the big reveal is, um, it's, that's another form of, uh, Neurothotep. Okay. That, that, and the, okay, that's a spoiler. That's how the story ends. That they sure. realize that this professor could come back. Uh -huh. So they have to be basically, fight the dwell in the darkness. Yeah. And the way they do is they call upon Cthulhu, which is Daryl's fire god. Uh-huh. Again, again, you know, I, we talked about Cthulhu, uh, uh, well, three or four months ago, you know, Daryl stole it from someone else, but, you know, nothing's original. Yeah. Um, so... The Dolorthian heresy, and, and I love talking about the Dolorthian heresies, is that there is good versus evil. Yeah. And that, you know, the elder gods are fighting the old ones. But 
when I reread this, it's something that never clicked, and I've never really seen, and maybe because it is Derelith, I never really talk, her mythos people talk about it, but he also says there's a war within the war. Ah. And that the four elements are also fighting each other. Gotcha. And so there's this really good scene, surprisingly well-written, but it's got some holes in it, where the two academics are trying to figure out which of the mythos creatures that they're dealing with. And so they're they're basically like, it's like a good crime story uh-huh. where two detectives are comparing murderer's MO to try to figure out who the murderer is. Gotcha. And so they go through, and it's obviously not a fire elemental. And they go through, even though the bodies got lifted in the air and dumped in the water, uh-huh. they decide it's not air and that it's not water elementals. And I, I didn't even catch his logic on that. And so they finally trip. it's got to be something in the Earth family elemental. Uh-huh. And so they basically say, this has got to be an avatar or a form of Norothodep or Shubnagorath. Gotcha. And and even though there's, even though I'm not a big fan, I love talking about Norothodep heresies, but I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah. And there's some holes in the story. It's a really good thing where they're trying to, in ways, if it had been, you know, you could see a crime writer writing it, you know, two detectives comparing murderer M.O.s. Sure, yeah. Um, so they rule, they basically say that it's got to be, no, 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 that because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or because it, they, they rule it down, it's an, it, it's on an earth elemental. Gotcha. And so Dweller in the Darkness is where Derelith basically re- lets out, publishes his elemental theory. Sure. Um, and but he points out that the Excuse elements me. are fighting each other. Uh-huh. So so Narothotep is fighting, you know, Ifaqua, uh, is fighting Chathuga. So it's the diff that basically there's a war within the greater war. Okay. And, and because nobody really follows Dorothean elemental theory anymore. Yeah. I've never really, it never really popped out to me of that until I reread Dwellers in the Darkness. Um, so, but at the end, again, they call upon um, uh, uh, Kafuga, the, the fire elemental, and they basically burn up or drive out the Dweller in the Darkness. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, and uh, that's, it, the story is in a lot of books, but it's, uh, you can uh, get it as well as a, a, um, a lot of good other stories. Yeah. And Narothotep, the Narothotep Cycle uh, by Chaosium. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. No, if you look for those various books, you'll be able to find it, but... Finding the original sources on a lot of those uh, generally means digging through, tracking down uh, rare <laughs> tomes of uh, uh, fan magazines from back, back, back in the day. And originally, I believe it was published in, it was a 1944 Weird Tales, yeah. but I'm not sure which month. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. Well, uh, after this, we're going to be talking about... More Dweller in the Darkness. Yeah. But the version that is in Marvel Comics. Gotcha. And then after that, we're going to do some D&D on D&D. Uh, right now, I have not had a chance to enjoy any Copper Cow coffee because of um, my oh, my tooth, my mouth. Uh, I have to have some. Anyway, I don't know. Not going to talk about it right now. But something I am going to talk about is the greatest beer run ever, September 30th, 2022. To show support to his neighborhood friend surfing at Vietnam, Chicky Donahue, Zac Efron, decides to do something totally outrageous. Travel to the front line himself to bring the soldiers a little piece of home. Their favorite can of American beer. Based on the incredible story, the greatest beer run ever. A heartbreaking coming-of-age story about friendship, loyalty, and f sacrifice on Apple TV Plus. Um... That, that's what the wow, comic... that sounds great. No, that sounds terrible. That sounds terrible. But click on it because that's what the copy really says. And it sounds like a terrible, terrible thing. But that's what this episode's brought to you by. Because <laughs> we need the money. And also Copper Cow Coffee. Copper Cow Coffee is uh, about a buck forty when you buy like, a you know, you buy a couple different flavors. Uh, you open it up. Uh, if you buy like 40 bucks worth, they send you free shipping. Sometimes I have discounts for it for listeners and people who subscribe to our Facebook page or have tracked down us from the old days on Dark Myths. And uh, yeah, yeah. And you can get a discount on that stuff and many other stuff like Donner, California Tea, and even, even Glary. And get yourself a Glary guitar. I've only got one Glary guitar, and it's probably one of my favorite guitars. It's uh, kind of like, uh, oh man, I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's really awesome. It's my favorite Glary. Do I have it in the studio? No, it is upstairs in the house. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, get yourself a Glary. Get yourself a Donner Deal. Uh, check out some California Tea House, and also, why not drink some Copper Cow? We've got the Taza Chocolates Curvy Girl. And, you know, if you want to get sponsors, if you want to get your show, your podcast, your whatever sponsored, uh, go to uh, Share a Sale, and you can find that stuff so that you can have sponsors on your show or get your ad out there and get your product sold. So... Hey everybody, this is Dave, and uh, so i uh, got a little bit of time here, so uh, I thought I would do to you what I do to total strangers when I'm stuck in a line with them in the supermarket, and talk about obscure connections between comic books and the Cthulhu mythos. I'm a fun person to shop with. So if everything has gone right here, we... We being DB and I have already discussed the Dweller in Darkness on this show, even though 
uh, we're recording these at separate times, we'll be playing that first, and then you'll be hearing this, or you're not. Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe the time-space continuum has gotten messed up, and none of this is happening. Uh, in which case, my name is David Heath. I was born November 16, 1967. Blue tongues do not lie. Three people now in the entire world listening to this has gotten that. But, okay, back to the dwellers in darkness. So, there is the dweller in darkness, which is Narlothotep, which we have discussed uh, earlier in the show, probably was created by our friend Augie D, August Derleth, and his story called The Dweller in Darkness. See how that works? Um, so that was created in 1944, but in 1974, a new version is at least mentioned, and that is in Marvel Comics. And its first dimension is in a Thor comic as a throwaway line, as a creature being mentioned and doesn't show up for another five years in full appearance. Now, if you've been to pretty much any panel that I've talked about comics and the Cthulhu mythos, or again, unfortunately, stuck in a grocery line with me and can't escape and have to listen to me go on and on and on, then you know that one of the things that I really think influenced uh, Silver Age, but Bronze Age, especially comics beyond, is the pulps. And the, the pulp writers really influenced the people who took over you know, Bronze Age, Iron Age, Modern Age comics. And that whether it be, uh, you know, Grant Morrison or Matt Wagner or you know, even Stan Lee says he, he was deeply influenced as a youth and as a young man by the, the Pope. So The Dweller in Darkness was, like I said, mentioned four years before he actually appears in a comic. He first was mentioned in Thor. Now... And then the fact that it was 1974 is going to be very important because Daryl's story, The Dweller in Darkness, is going to be published in Strange Tales in 1944. Now, Daryl is going to die in 1971, uh, but you know, Arkham House continued. And Arkham House published a book called The Dwellers in the Darkness, which was a collection of Daryl's short stories. Ironically enough, though, Dweller in the Darkness does not appear in the Dwellers of the Darkness anthology. So it is re-released. Yeah, you can get it for about 13, 14 bucks. You can get a, a freshly printed paperback copy. It's one of those lesser expensive, I guess, is the right way to say it, of the Arkham House books for you know, 25 or 30 bucks, you can still get a hard copy original first dish printing of the book. So I don't have a lot of information on this and I'm researching on the, the Marvel side, 
But I absolutely do not believe that a deity that looks like Cthulhu and called the Dwell in the Dark or the Dwell in the Darkness is not related to the Cthulhu mythos. Like I said, the many, many people who have uh, written in the comics in the 70s and during the, the beginning of the Bronze Age really were huge Lovecraftian and pulp fans. Now, the creature, um, you know, the Dweller of the Darkness, is credited with being created by Jerry Conway, or Rich Buckler, uh, Roger Stern, and um, also uh, Tom Sutton. And, and I, I suspect, like many of these characters or creatures or monsters, that it's composite. It has many fathers, for lack of a better word. But the one we're going to kind of focus on is Tom Sutton. And we absolutely know that Sutton, who passed away, I believe, in 2002 or so, we know that he was into Lovecraft because he does do uh, pictures and a portfolio of Dream Quest of the Unknown Cadeth. He's also going to do quite a few black and white comics, although his major claim to fame, besides the stuff that he did for uh, Marvel and uh, DC, is uh, I believe he was the first artist for uh, Vampirella. So he, at least, we have a very documented history of him and Lovecraft's work. And I would not be surprised if Sutton wasn't the driving force on at least the name if not the creature. So at least in appearance, the uh, 616 uh, Dweller in Darkness is much more, at least originally drawn, looks like Cthulhu, just sort of a purple Cthulhu with short face tentacles, as opposed to any of the forms of Narlothep, and definitely not the way that Derleth described him in the short story of um, Dweller in the Darkness. Now, here's kind of the one thing I like about him, and in true, true comic book form, is that eventually he gets rid of his body. So he's just sort of like this head flying around with these, you know, octopoid tentacles basically coming out of his mouth and his neck. And then, because he's a comic book villain... He gets a cyborg body because, of course, he has. You don't think that the Dweller in Darkness is going to let Lex Luthor beat him on the cyborg body, do you? And yes, I know Lex Luthor is a DC character. So here's this sort of interesting tie-in, official tie-in, with uh, the 616 uh, Dweller in the Darkness and the Cthulhu Mythos, is that... The official handbook to the uh, uh, Marvel Universe states that the Dweller of the Darkness father is Great Cthulhu. Well, I find this sort of interesting because there's, you know, proxy versions of Cthulhu. Uh, Cthulhu and, and Cthulhu and, and Narlhotep and all the Elder Gods. But the original release in the uh, 616 handbook said that he was the descendant of Cthulhu, the Elder God. 
And then that got kind of retconned, and when they reprinted it, they actually changed it to say that he would be a worthy successor. Kind of leaving out, you know, were they talking about Cthulhu, or were they just saying he is the equivalent of this fictitious character? And, you know, as we go more and more talking about things, and uh, we'll definitely cover more of how the mythos makes comes into the uh, 616, especially because Conan just basically opens up all sorts of doors. Even though he'd been around, at least the name thrown around in uh, Marvel Comics since the 70s, he really is kind of get important around 2009, where he becomes sort of a, a driving factor, a main character in uh, Secret Wars, where now that we're having, you know, Secret Wars, Secret Invasion, or whatever, you know, Secret Disney, whatever, um, I doubt we will see this character, but we might get some Easter eggs uh, in the, the Disney version. Now, in 2021, he appears in uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy video game. Almost more of a sort of a beast as sort of a pet monster for one of the, the upper bats. But he, he's a, it's a boss fight. And I think that's, I can't make, you know, people know I, I can't make characters in video games do what I want them to do. I make them walk into walls. But I think it's sort of an interesting kind of give him as a, a boss in that game. Even if he doesn't appear maybe Elder Goddish, more like a, a pet servant. So 2021 was, of course, a really big year for uh, Dweller of the Deep. And that's because he made his Hollywood debut also as the big bad in... Uh, Shang-Chi, uh, Legend of the Ten Rings. And, you know, he's a much more, he's not this Cthulhuoid, but more of a dragon creature. But, you know, it kept it very, very Lovecraftian. I mean, that whole third act, final battle, is in ways very cosmic horror to me. The, the sends out his minions, which are very much like Migo. And that the whole idea that he's been manipulating these mortals to release him, to, to get him back into this mortal realm, is extremely, if not Lovecraftian, Derluthian. And, and you know, and but I predict, because I haven't done it yet, but you have heard, that I probably complain about the Derluthian heresies, I know, and I'm... I'm a huge fan of the Lutheran heresies in certain ways. It's kind of the thing I love to hate. It's the trope I love to hate. But, you know, in this context, something that is inspired by Lovecraft, inspired by Derleth, but comes in a different form that's not true Lovecraftian setting, I love this. And this whole idea, you know, that... You know, the, the dragon spirit, the dragon protector, the great dragon is sort of elder godlike, where, um, you know, great old one, you know, dweller in darkness is, it, it truly is this on screen 
war in heaven, Duluthian war in heaven, that I have sort of imagined from August Darrell's act, uh, writings. And you know what? I loved it. That's a great movie. It was well acted. The special effects were great. It was funny. It was touching at the right place. I love that movie. Uh, maybe not my favorite Marvel movie, but I think it's really good. It's a great martial arts movie uh, on its own. But this is where I think that, you know, something that I may not like in my Lovecraft, the Deleuthian heresy of good versus evil, but when it's taken and, and come, becomes an inspiration and becomes a trope, it works. And, yeah, there's some hit and misses on on uh, on that movie. But in general, I liked it. I had a lot of fun. And so I think that... And it seemed to me very Lovecraftian when I first saw it. And now when I rewatch it, it seems very Duluthian to me in the good ways. That it takes this, this heresy... And, you know, adds a little corn and cheese, a little bit of action, some comedy, some excellent timing by actors, and it makes a good meal. And I think it's it's a good story. Now, this version of, of the Dweller of the Darkness is not like Darla's version. It's not like Narla Hotep. It's not even like the version in the Marvel comics. But it is kind of spiritually like this. That it's this creature that lives off negative emotions. Where in the comics, it, it's more of a fear base. But where it manipulates the mortals. And so, in a way, I think that this is a worthy mask of Narlhothep. Even if it's not an official one or it's not considered so in the Marvel canon but it, or the Disney canon. But then again, when they start dropping hints like saying it's the Scion of Cthulhu, well, maybe that's the way Narlahotep wants it to be. Narlahotep, excuse me. But, you know, I like the 616 version. And I'm hoping that now that he's got his big video game and movie break, that he, we're going to see more of the Dwellers in Darkness in 616. And uh, I'm going to sort of sign off now, but if everything goes right in the time-space continuum, as we have predicted, you'll probably get some commercials. Then you're going to hear D&D uh, &D on D&D. Everyone, it's time for D&D &D on D&D. &D. I'm 1D, this is the other D. Dave, how the heck is it going? It is still good. Oh, good. Good. Alright, so uh, this week we're going back to monsters. We're going to be talking about monsters a whole bunch more. We're talking dragons, we're talking elementals, we're talking the fae, and we're talking about some fiends, baby. You're talking about the monster that named the game. Uh, yeah, yeah, the dragons. dragons. 
so yeah, we've got dragons uh, first up. And Dave, what can you tell us about dragons? They tend to be big. Yeah. And, and you know, so, yeah, they're, they're big. And, I mean, th there's a reason that we still have dragon mythology. I mean, there's a reason that they put it in the name. Sure, yeah. You know, yeah. and, you know, every first level rogue with his little rapier wants to take on a dragon. Yeah. You know, um, um, you know, a lot of it, so a lot of it is how the DM's going to run a dragon. And, and so you've got like little tiny wormlings, which they used to be, you know, they would get points per size. I'm not sure if they do that in 5e. So like the baby ones, you give one hit point. Uh, and the big, you know, out of whatever it was, 12 hit dies. And so they keep growing and becoming more powerful, and their yeah. armor class goes up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, in the, like the original books, I think it said they could get up to, you know, a hundred thousand pounds. So you know, they're up to like fifty tons. They're like smog level. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I sometimes I wonder if every game isn't scaled off of dragons, and they're like, no, no, no. You gotta listen to me. You base it off the dragon. And everything around the dragon, and the game makes itself. So, who knows? And, you know, there's probably some <laughs> truth to that. And, and so they started out with, you know, colored dragons, the sure. chromatic. Yeah, yeah. And, and they gave each, you know, dragon sort of its own breath. You know, yeah. The white dragon, frost. Red dragon, of course, fire. And you know, and they gave them each, you know, a, um, a an environment. You know, uh, mountains, caves, swamp, mm -hmm. green, you know, yeah. and, and then, well, they said, well, now we need good dragons. So they made, you know, the, the mineral dragons, you know, yeah. the, uh, based on, you know, silver, gold, platinum. Yeah. The metallic dragons. Yeah. 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 The metallic. And then finally... They got, well, you know, maybe we're going to make this a little bit more than, you know, uh, middle-aged European. And so they, uh, you know, finally got the Asian dragons, which I think, honestly, are the most interesting. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, various, various incarnations of D&D &D based off of publications and stuff like that have had a myriad of different... <laughs> Uh, folklore's dragons brought into D and D, and the the the, the uh, statistics for such. So, like, I remember like dragons of Irish folklore being, and and like Celtic flo fo uh, folklore in general being like mixed in with like D and D stuff, uh, mm -hmm. based off of old Dragon magazine articles. And I remember stuff about like uh, like draconic uh warriors from like uh dragon lance i think it is oh yeah 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 and like that kind of stuff being weaved into D D, depending on who was the dungeon master and what kind of dragon dragon things we're fighting and like even i like don't necessarily treat dragons uh the way dragons should be treated i treat dragons almost like this unknowable alien overlord kind of thing that resembles a winged lizard th i mean like you know it, it's it's a dragon but uh our comprehension of a dragon really doesn't resemble what a dragon 
actually is. Like the huge complex mind that a dragon has, where it can have so many underlings and understanding what each thing does. It's like it's like a chairman. It's 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 like minds within minds within minds organizing things making sure things get done and like having a conversation with you is probably one of the least interesting things it's done all day <laughs> yeah and, and a way they're kind of you know like um you know lovecraftian creatures yeah, yeah but do you know what my favorite dragon is what's that what's that and and this first i remember when i first read it and popped out in a a dragon magazine probably more than 30 years ago. Sure. Was the fairy dragon. Huh. Okay. This little tiny dragon that could hang out. They weren't so powerful. You could kind of befriend them. They were like mischievous little puppy dogs. Yeah. Uh, and, and I remember we were doing a um, uh, a um, X-Crawl, which is kind of like modern setting D&D uh -huh. ultimate gladiator type thing. Yeah. And, and so our team actually captured some fairy dragons, and they became our mascots. Ah. Uh, so, you know, uh, yeah. So I, there's a lot of dragons. In yeah. fact, now with the, like, Dragonborn, you can be kind of park dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my classic favorite things to do is to have, like, an ancient dragon lord type who lives deep, 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 deep within underneath the mountain. Uh, in a very strategic way that it's like you have to go way down into the underdark and then up into the mountain to where the dragon lives. Um, and then, you know, ways onto the mountain to reach the dragon that, you know, only a dragon should technically be able to get that unless someone's able to, like, I don't know, hire griffins or something. Mm -hmm. But, uh... <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, no. And then, like, have, like, uh... The middle tier of security be like draconic, like, you know, humanoid, uh, dragonborn type uh, fighters and have the lower reaches be like, you know, um, kobolds uh, that that reflect uh, reflect like the, the um, reflect the uh, uh, the the dragon itself. So there's something about the kobolds that's very much like the dragon itself. They might treat it like a deity. Uh, they might be like consider themselves like the uh, the children of this dragon in more of like a uh, biological sense. I mean, like there's something that has drawn like a community of like kobolds to live in this 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 uh, mountain, turning it into a giant trap. And there's a reason this why year, these prime members get holiday deals before anyone else. Which means is that me? A big deal. That was me for some reason. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll have to edit that out. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You can. I. I feel like you can do so much with a dragon, other than just stick it in a dungeon. Uh, other than just treat it like a roaming monster. You can create dragons to be your ultimate bad guy. You can create dragons to be the ultimate red herring. Um. And now the powerful dragon can be a, a warlock patron. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's something that is also pretty cool about dragons. But yeah, no, they've got an insane amount of um, like physical attacks. Their their physical attacks 
are, I don't know, uh, like claws and bites and kicks and uh, breath weapons that can do all kinds of amazing things. And I, I, I don't know what else, like, just like... I don't know, maybe the size of a dragon can scare you to, like, uh, <laughs> leave. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think originally that they did all have fear aura. Oh, okay. That would be I'm, I'm a not lot sure, but I'm, I'm remembering maybe, like, first edition that they could do fear aura uh -huh. if they were, like, ancient or above. Oh, yeah. I like that. I like that. I like that. You know, something else I like. Elementals. Yes. <laughs> elementals. The first time I ran across an elemental was in, I believe, uh, oh man, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It, uh, it, it was a first edition uh, module. If anyone's out there, uh, you're crossing through like uh, a deserted or uh, a once human barracks that are now uh, occupied by hobgoblins. And once you get past the barracks, there's this big, big, big water fountain. And anyone who looks in the water will be like, oh, this water's disgusting. And what's in it is a water weird. weird it gets weird yeah. and it waters you. Yeah. You know who really likes elementals? Whom? August Derla. Yeah. Uh, sorry, wrong part of the show. Yeah, wrong part of the show, Dave. Sorry. But I, you know who I, I like elementals? I like elementals. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of them. Uh, you can figure out all kinds of ways to use them, other than, like, I don't know, a complicated form of Pokemon with uh, your D&D games, but... You, you know what is a, I, I really like, sort of, is the low-level ones? I like the yeah. methods. Yeah, 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 those are always Which fun. Which are, are, are kind of like imp, kind of mm -hmm. sneaky demon type, and, and I like, you know... You know, gnome campaigns where the you know the steam methods are kind of like the uh, I had to, my gnomes party was going through looking for uh, you know an ancient tome book that was like in these old secret catacombs in the library yeah, yeah. and they went through basically the steam tunnels and and the the methods were like the, the vermin yeah yeah well what I think is great about like elementals is. No matter where you are, what the situation is, it's like if there's something there that's of an elemental nature, that's a good enough reason to put elementals there, and you can scale element like uh, elementals um, class, like a uh, 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 hit dice, whatever uh, challenge rating goes from zero to way the heck up there, and you have all kinds of ways that you can scale that stuff. And elementals make sense in ways that certain monsters, certain monster classes don't. Like, if you're underground, I mean, there's only so many times you can run into illithids before. Is there an illithid kingdom down here? No, there isn't. Mm -hmm. Is is there a leak into the elemental planes? Yes, there is. That's why we keep running into fire memphits. And we keep running into ash memphits. And we keep running into fire crabs. And fire whales. And fire hounds. And, you know... Um, it's, 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 uh, things make sense with elementals, as I said, in the way that they don't. A anytime there's a magic user, you, you justify If oh, there's yeah. been a magic user last hundred years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you can, oh, also, elementals are awesome for, like, magical items, magical items that summon elementals of certain types. That's pretty cool. Um, 
using elementals for guards for wizards that makes a lot of sense they can summon that stuff a lot easier than they can like i don't know train a monster to do something and feed it elementals and, make and, sense <laughs> and, and and just historically mm -hmm. and you know you know dark age magic uh -huh. as well as eastern magic sure elementals and the elemental theory had a very major point. Oh, yeah. yeah you know, yeah. And, and it just makes sense. And you know who is an air elemental that we forget? Hmm. The gene. Oh, yeah, yeah, Genies yeah. Genies yeah. are air elementals. You know, Ifrit's are your fire elementals. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's something we all forget about. Uh, yeah, there's... And, and, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. Go for it. Go for it. And, and the other thing is that they are often evil, but they're often usually more, like, fulfilling what they're told to do. Yeah, yeah. But you, you, they're not necessarily, like, what we're going to, like, fiends, where they are dark and evil. Yeah. They're kind of more, you know, selfish. Maybe they're cunning. Maybe they're tricksters. They're probably not, even if your buddy's an elemental, it's probably not going to help you. Yeah, yeah you gotta, but they're not straight out gonna kill you. Until yeah, they do. very true, very true. Um, but yeah, no, um, elementals are an easy way to, as a dungeon master, an easy way to get a lot of stuff done. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's that's all I have written down for elementals. Yes. Up next we have uh, Fay. Cha the Fay. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. Uh, Fay, closely tied to nature. It's like, what's the difference between Fay and Elemental if they're both like uh, about nature? Well, Elemental is just this that there was this belief, just as you know, we have Elemental science that carbon and hydrogen is that. They believe that fire, water, earth, you know, uh, combine to make matter. Sure. So it's broken down into these elements that they saw, where the Fae is this creatures of fairy tales, uh -huh. you know, that they are these everything from, say, uh, you know, the Queen of Erin Darkness, mm -hmm. and Queen Titania and Tapak, to uh, uh, fairies or nymphs. Hmm. They are a race unto themselves in the fact that they are... You know what they're the closest to, I would say, in modern mythology? Mm -hmm. The Grey. Okay. The aliens that they come, they literally they take them, they capture people, they take them away, they do weird things, and then sometimes they bring them back. They've got their own purpose, and their world and our world occasionally overlap. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Uh, elves, pixies, sprites are often mischievous, but. Uh, malevolence abduct abducting children 
or waylaying the unwary. I mean, yeah, that sounds like the gray. They come in all kind of variety, and some are good, some are bad. Um, and they can do things like walk through walls. Yeah, yeah, they can. Uh, and we don't understand them. Exactly. They, to them, their, their logic seems crazy to us. They, mm-hmm. they seem insane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and all f- interesting, and I, I guess it was just some, all four of these elementals, fae, fiends, and dragons yeah. can now be warlock patrons. Oh, that's interesting. That's very cool. Yeah, no, some examples of the. Uh, let me, uh, let's see, what do we have? We have. Dryads. Uh, dryads, that's a good one. That's a good one. I saw one earlier. Oh, yeah, the hags. I was H- thinking hags. Hags are one of my favorite. Sprites? Uh, just, yeah, yeah, sprites. Uh, we've got. The Archfey. Yeah, yeah, the Archfey. Almost, which are almost godlike. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, there is uh, all kinds of elder, fae, silky, uh, quicklings, nymphs, uh, leprechauns, uh, fairies, just in general. Uh Oh, yeah, no, there's Animal Lords and Baba Yaga, um, Bear Kings, Brownies. It's, it's, it's all over the place, and you know what we're talking about. It's, it's the Fae. It's, they've got yeah. their own place. It's, it's a dark, twilighty world, but it's also misty and foresty and groovy and groovy. And uh, really good sort. I mean, and I think one thing 5e, and a lot of... A lot of, you know, third-party creators are doing a lot of face stuff. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, Forgotten Realms has some good face stuff, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I imagine they would. I imagine they would. Uh, Forgotten Realms feels a bit more... Uh, Faron always felt a bit more mm-hmm. fey-touched than other realms. I, I, I always felt like Beholders and Dire Animals were just a little bit bigger there, and everything was a bit rougher and woollier than, say, um, O'Earth. Or <laughs> wherever, uh, um, what call it? Uh, what's the core universe for Greyhawk takes place? Greyhawk is yeah. is not as uh, scary as uh, Forgotten Realms. Just saying. I mean, Greyhawk is where Vecna comes from. My favorite lich of all time. Uh, I don't care what uh, Stranger Things says. I knew him first. <laughs> He's my buddy. Uh, let's see. So now we're up to fiends. We've got the fiends. And, and the creator of the 80s satanic panic. Yes. My buddies, the lower planes, the fiends, uh, uh, servants of the dark deities, uh, leaders of the underworld, evil priests and priests and mages and uh lesser call upon them for power quick and easy they just got to do some things that are sleazy uh fiends are the ultimate enemy fiends are the ultimate evil fiends 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 they sneak around they they live in places that no one wants to go the outer planes the lower outer planes what do we know about fiends dave 
Well, they're, they're, they're basically two types. There's a few more, but the big type are sure. demons and devils. Oh. And, and one of the things that I, they've... Terra Tanari and uh, Beatsu. <laughs> I can't remember what they're called. But, like, they're uh, D&D's way to sidestep around calling them demons and devils. Yeah. I'm and, but, sorry. But they've uh, also now sort of... That is the I think it's the Blood War. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, a pretty big when they released Five um, E uh-huh. as a sort of as a campaign where you know it, it's sort of the enemy of your enemy that these fiends are fighting each other. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 I get that some people may not be comfortable with this part of the game, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so I think that that game masters have to be sensitive, and that's why I think that the greatest thing maybe in the last ten years to come out of you know role playing game is this whole idea of session zero. Sure. Say hey, this is what I'm comfortable with. This is what I'm not. Let's you know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I kind of like the idea that that. There's two forces of evil mm-hmm. fighting each other, and us poor mere humans, we're just caught in the, the, the no man's land of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, but one thing that I do like about the fiends, though, is you know how wicked and terrible specific types of fiends are going to be, and you can't step over a certain line that a certain fiend isn't willing to step over. Um, yeah. Unless you're creating some sort of aberrant fiend that then is willing to do that, even though that's totally against their alignment. They're creatures of alignment, like, literally. (laughs) It's, like, physical manifestation of lawful evil or neutral evil or chaotic evil. And and a lot more. And and I think that a lot of maybe younger game masters don't quite get this idea of this lawful evil. Those of us who've been older and kind of seen things more in the world, we get sure. you know, lawful evil is a real thing. Mm-hmm. But put that aside, and again, that's sort of interesting, is that they're not just killing for killing. They're not chaos creatures. Because they have a form of order, Yeah, they're more dangerous. Yeah, no, no. It's I, I'd say that, like, not, not to some extremes, but... In in some cases, what what people think of as lawful evil is actually more like a neutral evil, or like kind of like uh, chaotic evil, but with planning. <laughs> yeah, and, or, or um, you know, I see the empire, mm-hmm. or more maybe Big Brother, the organization in nineteen eighty four. I think that's lawful evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The. Uh, but there's there's lesser examples. There's 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 the uh, the baker who smiles and uh, uh, brushes his steps while the 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 dreaded terrible soldiers who are of chaotic evil just like walk past. They're like, oh well, I'm happy that I benefit from um, these chaotic evil or uh, you know uh, neutral evil. Uh, people, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be like, it's, that's not like lawful good, that's not lawful neutral, that's lawful evil, in my opinion, just yeah. being like standing by while other people create acts of terror and stuff like that, but being like, oh, I have no problem with that. Anyway, 
Um, <laughs> I think there's a lot of ways that one can do this and a lot of ways that people can be suckered into the temptation of these uh, fiends. And many, many of them uh, do exist uh, to give power for some sort of... Uh, uh, temptation, some sort of gift, mm -hmm. some sort of blessing by the Dark Ones. Yeah. Uh, wicked games, casual cruelties. Uh, these, these, these would mark the, 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 the fiends. Yeah, no, absolutely uh, agree. And I, I think, and you know, definitely people can do a, you know, evil or a chaotic party, but I think Fiends tend to make better NPCs than sure. PCs. I agree. I agree. Uh, fiends, you well, okay? You have to have a heck of a, a zero session to make everyone happy with being a fiend uh, for a gaming campaign. And I think fiends can uh, poof. I mean, like you don't want to have like your second uh, hang zone, your second. Uh, D and D session, you don't want it to be like, oh yeah, now you're friends with Osmodius and he can do whatever you want. Um, that's, I mean, maybe that works for your game, but I'm, I don't recommend it. Uh, yeah. What I do recommend is slowly introducing the concepts and fiends into your game, or doing it all at once, but not like high powerful fiends. Uh, you know, something that's level appropriate. A little bit of rubber banding here and there. Yeah, no, and, and definitely, you don't, that's what it is, just throwing like high-level fiends is like throwing high-level gods. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you, you, you want to make sure that if you're going to do something like that, it's level appropriate, or it, it, it's a background. Yeah. Uh, fiends, fiends are great for background. I also think fiends are also, if used properly, uh, lower level fiends work kind of as a movable trap within, uh, like if you have a location based encounters and stuff like that, they're not necessarily like going to function quite like a trap, but it's kind of like maybe a trap for some foibles in your, your characters, almost kind of like a, a uh, background trap waiting to happen. Like they have to do something to get out of a situation. You know, it's like they've been working so hard to be a paladin, and then at fifth level, for them to get out of this place, they have to do an evil act. And you know, they're an oathbreaker, and now they have to like spend all this time atoning for whatever they do. But anyway, it's 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 you know, kind of like a, a I don't know background when you need it or. Uh, Oh, sometimes you can just use evil for evil's sake. It's like, oh, I'm an evil person. I summoned a fiend. And it's like, well, now the fiend is like, I'm, I'm smarter than you. Now I get to do stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's definitely this sort of philosophy. You know, you gotta, you've got to keep your distance. <clears throat> you know, you want, you, you want to, yeah. Because, and if, you have a twisted GM and mm -hmm. you have a gullible player character, it's not going to turn out well. No, no. And 
I don't know. It's like if you feel the need to be like, oh, I just want to do fiend stuff all the time. Use them sparingly. Even like if you're like, oh, I'm using fiends too much. You're still, you, or you, even if you feel like, oh, I'm barely using fiends ever. It's like unless you're like in the nine hells, unless mm. you're in the abyss, you're using fiends too much. Like fiends are super territorial. They, 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 they're going to get mad if there's another fiend that's not only their friend, let alone their friend, but like someone who's an enemy, someone who's like a different type. They're not going to put up with that kind of stuff. They're going to freak out. They, it's like, they, they, I don't know. I feel like there's some demons who would rather expose themselves than have to like even be in the same like city as like a devil. But yeah. yeah. And it's it's that kind of stuff. It's It's that kind of stuff. It's like demons and devils. It's like, no, you can like maybe have like a devil who has some like underlings or something like that and you you know you first find about the underlings underlings and then it slowly kind of builds up it's like you don't you know find about who 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 the main vampire in the vampire saga is or i don't know unless it's like a teen romance thingy or something but i think there's probably more to that than i care to even care about um but you know it's 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 there's layers to it there's always layers to it it's otherwise you're done <laughs> And hey, you know, all depends. But hey, absolutely. Yeah. What else do we know about fiends, Dave? That's about the end of my fiendish knowledge. <laughs> same here. Same here. Well, everyone, thank you so much again for joining us for People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. I've been your co-host, DB Spitzer, as always. Farmer Dave, Farmer Dave, thank you again so much. You are welcome, and thank you for listening. And this episode is brought to you by the listeners who buy stuff, and then we get a commission from it. Sometimes someone will buy something, and we'll get a commission from it. And we've got cool t-shirts. We've got the cool Sothagwa skate t-shirts and ones like that. Not to mention one of my cool favoritest things. This stuff, Dave and I wrote this. I mean, not all about the Cthulhu mythos, and we're just kind of telling you stuff that we're reading from, like various bits and pieces that we can remember and have written down about Dungeons and Dragons. So, hey, we hope that but you like it. But it's in our words. Yeah, it's in our words. And music, as always, is by me, D.B. Spitzer, because I am too cheap to go out and buy music for the show. So thank and I'm tone deaf. Yeah. Uh, thank you again. And if you want to help me pay for my dental thing hey you know the paypal's at the bottom all right everyone have a good one and i'll talk to you in the future bye bye and if i sound funny it's because i have like a part of my tooth missing and painkillers peace